0: We have a fantastic preacher here tonight, we have Pastor Steve Roberts, our Kids Church Pastor, so let's welcome Pastor Steve tonight. Awesome. How you doing all? Good? That's good, you're looking all mighty fine there. How you doing? I'll just move the laptop so I don't stand on it, because that would not be a good thing. You I'd have to pray healing over the laptop. And uh, I don't know if anyone's tried that before, but uh, I would say, I've never tried it, but I would guess if you pray healing over a computer, that the uh, buttons on it would just pop straight off because how many people know that the power of God is alive and real, amen? Amen. You know, four weeks ago, I preached a message about running the race and uh, running the race to win. And I told a a story about uh, an experience that I'd had. That very weekend, we just myself and another one of my our leaders, had been over in Australia at a uh, kids leaders conference, and uh, with Planet Shakers Church, and uh, and we come back, and we uh, our international flight was delayed, and so we had to make the run to the domestic terminal, and uh, if you know me, which probably half of you don't, I don't like running, and uh, so we were running, and um, so as we ran, and we ran, and we ran, a couple of times I had to stop and walk, because. Uh, I'm not a runner. And uh, so as we ran and we got there, I was so knackered and so puffed and could hardly speak that I had to send my guy who was with me. I said, man, you go in, you go to the terminal, tell them that we're here. And anyway, short talk, uh, long story short, we missed the plane. That's right, everyone. Oh, you know why it's oh? Because I had to pay $250 to get on the next flight. And now that really is oh. So uh, that's right. I wasn't too happy about that one. But the funny thing about it was that I was saying on, uh, about four weeks ago that, that God's got a funny sense of humor because just over that conference, he was talking to me about discipline. And how many people know that we don't like discipline? Who's got some bad memories about when their parents gave them the old uh, one-two? That's right. And uh, now it's a little bit harder to do that, but, uh, you know, do it in secret. People won't know. So uh, anyway, well, we're not talking about spanking tonight, so, uh, so that's all good. But anyway, God was talking to me about discipline. And so on that Sunday night, I stood up here and I said, you know what? God's been speaking to me about discipline, and because I don't like running, I'm going to get on my bike and I'm going to work out and exercise because, you know, it's really true that when we are in physical good health, that's how we can do far more for God. Because the reality is, is when you're tired, it's hard to serve the Lord with all your heart. See, God calls us to give give Him our all. God calls us to not give Him a little bit of our life, but the whole lot. And so anyway, I stood up here and made the statement that I'm going to get fit, I'm going to get healthy, and, uh, and I'm going to lose the one ab, and I'm going to create the six-pack that all guys desire. Amen? But as you can see, the one ab is still there. And, uh, but that's okay, I'm comfortable with that for now. And so, it's a good ad, exactly. It's, a, it's a well-shaped and well-rounded. So uh, anyway, I was thinking about it today, and I was thinking how you know I made this statement in front of people. I was going to exercise, I was going to get on my bike, and I was going to go bike riding. And uh, so I figured that uh, when I come here tonight to stand up again and preach, that uh, some will be wondering, I wonder how he's going. Because you see, a few people asked me that night, they said, man, you're bold. I said, I know, man, thanks. They said, you're bold to stand up there and make a statement like that. I said, easy, man. You know, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak so anyway, I want to stand up here tonight and I want to just declare before I get into my message that I have overcome. That's right, because today I went on my first bike ride. That's right, today, where it should have been four weeks ago. But but I figured that um, I need to uh, stand up here today and say that I am an overcomer, even if it was a little late. And it took four weeks to uh, allow the Spirit to overcome the flesh. But actually the real reason was because was my wife was hassling me yesterday and calling me Po the panda from Kung Fu Panda. How many people have seen Kung Fu Panda? How many people know that the panda is a very cute, cuddly panda? And if you're a guy, you don't want to be cute and cuddly and well-rounded. So, uh, so anyway, but Kung Fu Panda wins. That's right. A panda bear who is not trained in the fine arts of Kung Fu but defeats the enemy. And tonight I'm talking about taking the ground. Tonight I'm talking about taking the ground that God has called every one of us to take. So what we're going to do is we're going to open in prayer because how many people know we need God to come? Holy Ghost. Father, we just thank you for tonight. Lord, we thank you that Jesus, you're here. Lord, we thank you that God, that Father, you're upon all of us, Lord, and that God, your spirit reigns in every one of our lives. And that Father, we thank you that you're the God of the Almighty. You're the God of power. You're the God that raises people from the dead. You're the God that calls the sick to be healed. You're the God that breathes life where there's death. And God, we declare tonight that, Lord, your spirit will come, Father, in Jesus' name. And, Lord, as the word goes out, Father, we declare that, Lord, our hearts and our spirits will be ignited, Father God, Lord, to believe and to stand, Father, as a man and woman that you've called us to be. And everyone said? Amen. You see, God has called every one of us to be a people that would take dominion over our own lives. God has called us, every one of us, to be people who would stand as people with a destiny. You aren't just an ordinary person. You know, when you look at yourself and you see the one ab, maybe you've got six of them, maybe you've got big biceps, maybe you're very fit in this place, maybe you're the most handsome person ever. I don't know. Maybe you don't like yourself. But you see, when you stand and you sit here today, when God looks at you, he doesn't see an ordinary person. He sees someone who's called. He sees someone who's anointed. He sees someone who's powerful. You know, I was saying to my leaders last Sunday, just before while we were praying, before we went and did our kids' program, I said, you are a freak of nature. Whether you believe it or not, whether you recognize it, you are a freak of nature that is called to come into this place, that is called to make the things that look impossible possible, amen? Amen. See, whether you believe it or not, you're called to be people who would take the things that seem impossible and make them a possibility. You're called to overcome the things in your life that hold you back. You see, for all of us, God's God's called us to be people that would take the things in our lives that hold us back and transform them and allow God to come into those areas of our life. You see, God doesn't want us to stay and remain as we are. God's called every one of us to be people who would come to the n- another level in Him. God's called every one of us to be people that would be transformed, and that we'd be people that, would, that, that we would know that we're called of the Lord, that we'd know that we're called to be people that'd be groundbreakers, be sea friends, that for every one of us, the day that we were born, we were born into a sinful world with a sinful nature. And there are things in every one of our lives that hold us back, that hinder us from coming into the fullness of God. And the question is to you tonight, is are you willing to allow God to come into those areas and to make them whole again? Because you see, it's one thing to stand here and say, we want to take the world, we want to take the schools, we want to take Hawke's Bay. But the reality is if you can't have have victory in your own life, if you can't overcome the things in your own life that hold you back, then it's very hard for you to overcome the things and overcome and make breakthrough in society. Because you see, for all of us, God wants to bring us to a place of wholeness. And the thing is, it doesn't mean that we'll be perfect, because we'll never be perfect. But it's about allowing God to deal with the areas of fear it's about allowing God to deal with the areas of insecurity. It's about allowing God to deal with the things in our own life that when we stand in front of that mirror in the morning when we wake up, that we don't like. And I'm not talking about your hairstyle. I'm talking about the things that nobody sees, that only you know, and that God knows. You see, friends, it's about taking that ground first. It's about standing before the Lord, and, and that's the hard thing is that God requires and wants and his desire for us is that we would stand totally open, totally transparent before the Lord. But you see, we grow up in a society that will, total, that will tear us down if we expose who we really are. We grow up in a society that if, we're not lo- if we don't appear to be like everyone else, if we don't appear to be in the cool crowd, if we don't appear to have all the right gear and all the right stuff, then we don't fit in. But you see, friends, if you live your life like that, if you live your life to find the approval of man, the problem is, is that you won't be able to come before the Lord and just lay it all before Him. Because you can't live one way in public and live another way in secret. You see, ultimately, what you like in secret will affect the way you live in public. If you can't, if in, if in, if in society when people are around and you can't be, true to who you are, and you can't be true to what you believe, then there's an element of that that will affect your life when you're in that secret place. We see God calls us to lay it all down. God calls us to stand before the Lord and be totally transparent. That God, we would just lay everything down before you. That God, you would come into our lives. And that Lord, the way we are, in your place, in that secret place, that, Lord, we would be the exact same way when we're in public. That, Lord, we would take that ground in our own lives, Lord, so that we could take the ground Father, in our community, in our schools, in our workplaces. You see, God called the people of Israel, Israel. He called them out of Egypt. He set them free from slavery, from bondage. But, you see, the problem was was that they took that ground they broke through, broke through the bondages. They broke through out of a place of slavery into a place of freedom. But you see, friends, as we all know, the story is that, that they ended up, because of their sin, because of their lack of faith, they ended up staying in that wilderness. And there was a whole generation that missed entering the promised land, that missed entering the things that God had called them to take a hold of because of sin and a lack of, and, and, and unbelief. The question to you tonight is that: Do you want to be one of those people that never enter into the promises of God? Do you want to be one of those people that would never take a hold of the fullness of what God has for your life? I don't. I want to be someone who reaches my full potential in God. I want to be someone who can stand before the Lord Jesus Christ when I die and say, Lord, I've done everything that you've called me to do. You see, there's a whole generation that never entered the promises of God. There was a whole generation that missed out on the thing that God had for them. I want to read a scripture to you tonight from Joshua 3. And we're going to look at tonight just before Joshua, and we all know that Joshua was the one that took the new generation into the promised land. And so I want to read to you just before that happens. Just before they enter into the promised land. And we're going to start in, uh, in verse 3. It says this. When you see the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, Move out from the positions and follow them. Since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about half a mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. Then Joshua told the people, purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord, the Lord will do great wonders among you. Verse 8. Give this command to the priests who are carrying the ark of the covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. In verse 12. Now choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from the Lord. Sorry, choose 12, choose 12 tribes of Israel from each tribe. The priests will carry the ark, of the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. As soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of the water will be cut off upstream and the river will stand up like a wall. How many people know we've seen that before in the Bible? So the earth, so the people left their camp and started to head across to the Jordan, and the priests who were there carrying the ark of the covenant were were ahead of them. It was a harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark of the covenant touched the water, the, the, the river's edge. The water above that point began to bank up at a great distance away. And the water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all of the people crossed over over to the town near the town of Jericho. So here we have Joshua leading his people. Leading their people into the promised land about to take the new ground. And, you know, there are four keys that I want to pull out of this as to why, as to some of the things that they did that positioned themselves to take that new ground. And the first one is this, is unity. It says that there are 12 tribes. Pick one from each tribe. So that means there's a lot of people there. And that they had to be unified. They had to, have, they had to know that Joshua had the best for them, that Joshua was a man that heard the voice of God. They had to know and be unified to be able to go into this new place because, you see, there was, a, there was a thing that would hold them back that stood in their way, and that was the river. So they had to have complete, utter reliance on who Joshua was and the fact that he could hear God and the fact that he was leading them where God wanted them to go. So the first point is that we need to have unity. Acts 2 verse 1 to 2 says this, When the day of Pentecost came, they were one accord in one place, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty windstorm and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Suddenly, you see, friends, it's that suddenly where we see the impossible impossible become possible. It's the suddenlies when you go and you pray for someone who, who is sick, and suddenly the power of God moves. When you go and tell your friend about Jesus Christ and you're feeling a little bit nervous, well, how will they respond? It's the suddenlies, when suddenly the presence of God comes and they get saved. You see, they were there in one accord. And suddenly, like a mighty rushing wind, the Holy Spirit entered that place and they were all filled. And we know it went on. It said tongues of fire appeared upon their head and they all started to speak in another language see, the thing is with unity is that when we think of unity, we think it's about me standing here when you're you're here and saying, hey, man, well done, I'm for you, man, I support you. But actually, unity goes beyond that. And see, the problem is is that for most of the church, we struggle with unity. We think we're unified, but actually we're not. Because unity is about what you think about a person. Unity is about what you talk about a person when you're with someone else. See, the question I'll ask you tonight is, do you sit there and judge what other people are doing and say, I could do better than that? That's not unity. Do you sit there and question what your youth leader is doing and the way they're preaching, the way they're running the youth ministry, and say, I could do better than that? That's not unity. Do you sit there and talk about to your friends the thing that the person had been given responsibility to do and start to judge that. You see, we're really good at that because it's part of our culture. But you see, we're called not to be of this world. We're called to live as God has called us to live. And God has called us to live in unity. We know the word says where there's unity, God commands a blessing. And the problem is our mindsets are, is that oh, if I stand here and say I'm with you, then that's unity. That's not unity. That's a measure of unity. But true unity is about being in one accord. One accord means one mind, one body, one in what we speak. You see, and that's a challenge for all of us. Do you stand there and and put yourself in a spiritual position where, man, I'm spiritually better than you are. I know far more than you do. That's not unity. You might do. But it's about being unified with everything that goes on because, see, God places people in authority that need to be there. God places people in positions that need to be there. You see, as churches, and there's lots of different churches here tonight, we're not fighting each other. You see, the biggest battle that goes on is within ministries, within churches, and then against other churches. Oh, I'm better than your church. I'm bigger than your church. We've got a greater worship team than your church. We've got this, and we've got that, and we've got this many people. And, and actually, friends, that's not what it's about. That's not unity. You see, every church is called to take this city, and it's about all of us doing it together. It's about all of us standing together as one body and one accord to take the city of Hawke's Bay. You see, Bay City can't take Hawke's Bay alone. Pyramid Baptist can't can't take Hawke's Bay alone. NCF can't take Hawke's Bay alone, but together we can. And you see, friends, it's not about standing there judging what one church does and think, we don't do that. What we do is far better. Because you see, friends, every church has their own call. See, that's what we've got to understand. Is that every church has their own call, is mandated by God to do something different. Because the problem is, is if we all did the same, then we're fighting against each other. We all have our own strengths. We all have our own things that God's called us to do. Working together to influence Hawke's Bay working together in unity to influence Hawke's Bay. You see, when people fall out of ministry, and there's been a couple recently that we probably all know about. See, where's the church are the first ones to judge. You know what? My Bible says that when the woman fell in adultery and, and, and the people wanted to, wanted to stone her, my Bible says that Jesus said to them, you who are without sin, cast the first stone. All of us sin. All of us fall short of the glory of God. And the reality is, is God does not categorize sin. Sin is sin. He calls sin, sin. Whether you lie, whether you fall in adultery, it's all sin. And so the problem is, is that we are quick to judge when God wants us to be unified. See, it's not about us standing here looking at the key ministries that fall and say, man, you're so bad, man, I can't believe you did that. You know what we should be doing? We should be angry at the fact that the devil has taken out an anointed person. We should be angry at the fact that the devil has come and robbed the anointed. But you know what we should be doing? Is that we should be praying for that person. Because see, God's heart for them is that he would restore. That he would restore and bring them back and, and, and into full ministry again. See, that's God's heart for those people. Who are we to judge when we all sin? Who are we to judge one another when none of us are perfect? It's about unity. And we've got to get a total understanding of what that is. See, it's easier for us to stand, man, I'm with you. And then the minute they're doing something, we're judging. We can do better. Actually, it's not that. It's not about that. It's about being one accord, one mind, one voice, one heart. The second thing that they did was that they were led by the Holy Spirit, and it says this in verse 3 and 4. It says, take the Ark of the Covenant and follow it and keep a clear distance behind you see, we need to be led by the Holy Spirit. And the problem is, is that the Lord will speak and we'll get an idea. Well, God will speak to us about the thing he wants us to do. And so we start to be led by the Holy Spirit. And often what happens is that we either freak out because of doubt, because of fear, because of unbelief, because we look at, when we look at ourselves, we don't see that we could do the very thing that God has spoken to us that he wants us to do. And we stop. And the Holy Spirit keeps moving. When He wants us to keep following Him, we stop. He wants us to keep moving. Or the other thing that we do, and I'm I'm a good one for this, is that we get so excited about what God's showing us, is that we run ahead of, of, of the time that the Holy Spirit wants us to do it in. And what we actually do is we run ahead of the Holy Spirit. And we end up doing it in our own strength, with our own understanding. You see, he said we're going into new ground. You need to be led by the Holy Spirit. We're going into new ground. And it's important that every one of us lay our lives down before the Holy Spirit and we allow ourselves to be led by him. You see, it's not about a program. It's not about what we do. It's about being led by the Holy Spirit. It's not about a good idea. It's about a God idea. It's not about what you think will work. It's about what God says will work. Because you see, friends, if God says that it will work, then he is faithful to provide the tools that you need to see it come to pass. So we need to be led by the Holy Spirit. The third thing is is that we need need to continually allow our lives to be cleansed. And it says this in verse 5. Go and cleanse, purify your life, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. You know, society that we live in is a place where there's just so much going on that is not of God. We're constantly in a battle. We're constantly living in a society that is pulling us and trying to get us away from the very thing that God wants us to be, from the very direction that God wants us to walk in. And so it's really important that we continually cleanse our lives, that we continually come before the Lord. And that we continually lay down our lives before the Lord and say, God, here I am, cleanse me. It's important that for all of us, we keep short accounts with God. You see, David did some pretty, pretty horrible things. But it says that he kept short accounts with God. Which means that he quickly, when he did something that was dishonoring to God that was wrong, he quickly repented of that and turned from that. He see, it's about us continually coming before the Lord keeping short accounts for what we do evaluating your actions evaluating your thoughts what are you thinking what are you doing and keeping short accounts before the god before god and the other thing is important that we continually allow ourselves to be refreshed by the holy spirit because we live in a society that is so busy and time that's so busy and that we give out and we give out and we give out and we give out and that's great but the problem with that is that we give out so much that we then run ourselves dry and the thing is that when we run ourselves dry, we're then at a place that, that where we are vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. We're then positioned where we've been doing the work of God and doing the work of God. And you might even be seeing miracles, seeing awesome things happen. But the problem is you, you, you allow yourselves to become dry. And now you're in a position where you're vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. Or when God speaks and tells you to do something, you no longer have anything to give. Because you've run yourself dry. You see, it's important that we continually fill our lives up in the presence of God. That we continually cleanse our lives in the presence of God. That we continually allow God to refresh us. That we continually allow God to come. Because see, friends, it's all about moving with the presence of God. It's all about allowing the Spirit of God to come and empower us. Because, you see, we can't do it alone. You see, when Jesus left, he said to the disciples, I will send a helper, which was the Holy Spirit. I will send a helper to help you, to empower you, to fill you up. But see, friends, it's about getting upon our face before the Lord. It's about getting on our face before the Lord and allowing him to continually refresh, allowing him to continually fill our lives up again see, there are people here tonight, and I bet you you're dry. There'll be people sitting here tonight, and you've run yourselves dry because you've been giving out and giving out and giving out. The pressure of life has run you dry. You so see, you need to get into that place and refresh. Don't take away yet. You need to allow yourselves to be refreshed. And the last point is this, is that we need to walk directly into obstacles. You see, the Lord spoke and said to the priest, I want you to walk into the water. You see, for a lot of us, we sit on the banks. For a lot of us, God speaks and tells us to do something and we look at it and we think, man, I can't do that. And we sit on the bank. You see, God wants us to walk directly into the obstacles that hold us back, into the things that stand before us and and taking the new ground. God wants us to walk directly into the thing that hinders us, that stops us from taking and possessing the thing that God's called us to possess. The things that hold you back, the things that stop you from moving in your school. We've got to walk in there. Imagine if the priests stood at the side of the bank because they were afraid that they might get hurt or they might even get killed. The rivers would have never parted and they would have never entered the promised land. We've got to get off the bank. We've got to get off the bank. And we've got to step into the obstacle. We've got to step into the thing that would hold us back. As you step into that, then God comes. As you step into that, the Spirit of God comes. As you step into that, then the miracle happens in the water's part. You see, the thing about taking the promised land is the promised land was not won in one big battle. It was one battle after battle, victory after victory after victory. You see, when we think about our lives, we think about the community, and we think it's too great. It's impossible for me to do that. You see, it's not about winning the community in one go. It's about person by person being saved. Person by person. Victory by victory in your own life. It's about celebrating the little victories. It's about celebrating the little the little victories that you have when someone gets saved. It's about celebrating that. First one, then two, then three. Next thing before you know, it's your whole class. It's your school. It's your workplace. You see, if they never had have won that first, if they had never won that first battle that they had of crossing over into the into the River Jordan, they would have never been at position. They would have never been able to face the bigger battle that waited over the other side, which was Jericho. But because they had victory in the smaller one, they could have victory in the bigger one. They now had the faith to believe. See, friends, God's got a destiny for you all. To take new ground. To take new ground. To take new ground question is, do you want to be a part of this generation that does that? You can take it. Do you want to be a part of this generation that does that? You know, the band can come up. Taking new ground. Having new victories. Taking new ground. You so see, you might be here in this place you might not even know Jesus. You might not have a relationship with Him. And friend, tonight's your night. Tonight's the night where you have the opportunity to come and know my Lord and Savior, my best friend. With every eye closed and every head bowed in this place. I want to give you that opportunity. Tonight I want to give you that opportunity if you're here and you've never, never asked Jesus to come and live in your life. You see, it's not about the actions that we do. It's not about being a good person. It's about having a relationship with Him. It's about having a relationship with Jesus Christ. If that's you here tonight, then i will just love you just to raise your hand right where you are. If you have never asked Jesus into your life, and you say, man, I want to have victories in my life. There are things in my life that hold me back. There are struggles in my life, and I've tried and I've tried. I've tried drinking. I've tried relationships, I've tried this and I've tried that, and nothing's worked. You know what, friend? Jesus is the only thing. Jesus is your answer tonight. Jesus is your answer tonight. If that's you here, I'd love you to raise your hand. Right where you are. Thank you, Lord. Shut up. Jesus. Jesus. My last opportunity. Don't leave this place the same. Don't leave this place carrying the burden, You're trying to live life, trying to trying to win the, win the battle on your own. Jesus is the one that will empower you. Last chance. I look over to my left, your right. Is anyone over here in the section on the right-hand side of the building? Jesus. There's one hand there. Awesome, man. I see that hand. Awesome. Hold your hand up really high so I can see it. Someone in the middle section. They would love to give their life.